0: trust him Baby
1: Is enough for me? Thank you, Ginny. Is he enough for you? Yes. This is the question. This is the first Sunday of the New Year. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Are you happy? Yes. <laughs> if you're not, I'm going to make you happier today. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we're going to have a good time together. We're going to enjoy the Word of God, and we're going to listen hopefully, all of us, to the reading of the word of God from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Through 25. Since, therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having uh, our hearts sprinkled clear from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you see, the day drawing near. May God bless his word. Today, at the beginning of our new year, 2008, can you believe that? 2008, I'd like to uh, have a call, a call to godliness. We're not making any resolutions. Let's forget about those. We are trying to live a better life this coming year. A call to godliness. The Lord returned to heaven over 2,000 years ago and took his place as our advocate at the right hand of glory. And he is there to undertake and to intercede for us. And as he's been carrying it ever since he went to glory. He offers full and complete service as he officiates for us. Needy saints. Needy saints. He, His cross his cross work what he's done is never to be repeated. as he settled the sin questions once and for all and sat down at the right hand of glory. And he took the judgment at that cross for us. Now, do we realize what he did for us? Do you realize? He said, this is what I've done for you. In Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 10 and verse 12, earlier he says, he having... Offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. What happened? Sat down at the right hand of God. And he entitled us to our priestly house to enter with boldness into the holy of holies. The priest of old, before he came, could not do that. The priest had to offer first sacrifices for his sins. But now Jesus Christ offers sacrifice for our sin so we can approach him anytime. time. There is no time where he says, I'm sleeping, don't disturb me. Nor I'm on vacation, I'm not around here. Every time, any time, during day or night, he is available for us to take charge of our business. This is what he's done for us. And the question for the believers, are you taking advantage of this? Are you? We should, we must. And since he did all this for us, how should we react? How should we function? How should we live? And as we are at the threshold of a new year, let's make a resolution. No, the world makes resolutions. Because resolutions, as they say, are made to be broken. Someone said, I read that and I laughed. My only New Year's resolution is to make no New Year's resolutions. But as for us, as we approach this year, we say, Lord, help us to be obedient servants. How can we sustain? A consistent and committed Christian attitude for 365 days. The only way to know is to look at what his word tells us. And he said, of all to the disciples and to the people around him. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these, the scriptures, that bear witness to me. So since he paved the way, relieved us from sin, if we have to have to have a list what he's done for us, okay, this whole day will not be able to be sufficient to count the many blessings that he offered us ever since he died on the cross for us. Since he offered us relief, salvation, access, love, Consideration, compassion, mercy, grace. You have a list? Continue for me. Since he offered all these, then how should we then live? And this is my message today. A call to godliness. Are you with me? How should we then live? And the answer, the first three verses is what he's done. Verse 19, 20, and 21, that's what he's done. Verses 22 through 25, what we need to do. How about that? It's easy. It's in the Bible. It's not me. So we're going to take it verbatim from the Bible. The very first thing that we need to do, the writer to the Hebrews and the writer to us, he says, let us draw near to God. It's in verse 22. The very first thing, let us draw near to God. What a privilege. We are asked to get nearer to God. Is that a difficult thing? We are asked to get nearer to God. This is the believer's blood bought privilege. Imagine if you receive a personal invitation from our governor. It said, Adel, with his broken language like mine, you know, English language, says, I want you to come and do some work out with me. <laughs> I would tell the whole world. I am, tomorrow I am going to do some work out with Schwarzenegger, right? <laughs> Wouldn't I do that? Wouldn't you? Working out with him, Yes. Okay, imagine if you received this invitation from a personality or from a senator to have lunch with. Wouldn't you be honored to be seen walking with him or someone takes a picture for you? Wouldn't you be honored to do that? Okay, how do you feel then? But how wonderful, beyond all words, that we are invited to have audience, not with this world's celebrities, but with the sovereign of the whole universe. Would, we be, you, would you be as proud? We should be honored. We should be humbled to be asked, let us draw near to God. How should we draw near to God? And this is the question. How should we draw, draw near to God? I'd love to be nearer to, to God today. You know, let's ask Enoch of old. Enoch of old started walking with God and started getting nearer to him. On a daily basis, I want, I want to walk with you. And guess what? He started walking from day one. And I have a quiz for you today. How long did he walk with God? Can someone answer? Three hundred and sixty-five and? sixty-five years. He walked with God 365 years. God has asked him to do a few things in his life. You know what? He did. He was obedient. He says, aye, aye, sir. I will do this. Get rid of that. I got rid of this. And do this. And then at the end of 365 years, he said, Enoch, I like your company. The Lord said, I like your company. Uh, let's, do let's go to my home. And Enoch was never found. This is a man of God. He was never found on this earth. And de- let me tell you what. Don't ask me where he is. I know he is in the presence of God. When you get there, ask him how he took you over there. Let's draw near to God. With a true heart, the Bible says, the very first thing, with a true heart. How is the condition of our hearts? With utmost sincerity. With respect. With awe. Not with outward forms of religion or worship, which the children of Israel tried to do in the past. And when they were put to the test, their religious Outward appearance did not help them. Let's not try to be religious. Religion does not save you. This church does not save you. What saves you is Jesus Christ. Amen. Not to belong to the non-denominational church, as San Ramon Valley Bible Church. You can be a member and you cannot be a member of the family of God unless you enter through his blood shed on the cross of Calvary a pure heart not with our lips you go to many churches and you see many People singing hymns and praising God and with their lips. But when they're called to dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ, you'll, say, you'll see many fall away and say, well, this is this is too hard to follow. Enoch, was it too hard for you to walk with Christ? 365 days, it was never hard. When your heart is in obedience and when you want to live According to his will, when you say, wherever you take me, I will go. Wherever you want me to be, I will be. When you accept your condition that God has placed you in, the house he placed you in, the life he placed you in, the school he's placed you in, and depend on God. Guess what? The Lord is going to bless you and you are going to be walking with him for a long time. It's not going to be a short journey. And what a beautiful life. To walk with God as long as he wants, not as long as I want. You know what the Bible says about those people who say, yes, we are religious. We go to churches. And I'm not trying to be critical, but just to remind you. He says, this people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far away from me. This is why the Bible says, how should we draw near with a true heart? It's there. With a sincere heart. Verse 22. Second one. How should we walk with Christ? A godly life in full assurance of faith. That's the second one there. We come to our our Lord with full confidence. Relying on his promises, knowing that we have a God who hears and answers our prayers. We are assured of having full acceptance to his presence as his children, and whatever we ask from him, he will do it for us. That is, if we are walking closely with him. The third thing he says with clear conscience. I want to dwell a little bit on that with a clear conscience. A clear conscience can only be achieved through the new birth. Let me repeat that. A clear conscience can only be achieved through being born again. You cannot have a clear conscience unless you're born again. Am I clear on that? In other words, when you or and me give our lives to Jesus Christ, this conscience is clear, becomes clear. What used to bother us and keeps us awake all night, sometimes, you know, you remember those days? You remember those days you kept awake and turning in bed? What was it? Thoughts? This is the conscience bothering you. And this same conscience now that used to bother you after Jesus comes in, and resides in your heart, and, cl- and cleans your conscience, this becomes a source of joy, and rest through the blood of him who died on the cross for you. Amen. When Paul was defending himself before the Jewish council, he said, Brethren, I lived my life with a perfectly good conscience. Before God, up to this day. Can we say that? Clear conscience. And you know, again he writes to Timothy, saying in Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, 2 Timothy said, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience. How's your conscience? How's our conscience at the very beginning of this year? Uh, shall we enter this year with a clear conscience? It's wonderful. If your conscience is still bothering you, if sin is still bothering you, Relieve yourself this morning, I ask you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as I ask you, relieve yourself from the agony, relieve yourself from stress, relieve yourself from all kinds of problems, and give your life to Jesus Christ, and your conscience will be relieved, and you will be a new person in Jesus Christ. Francis Bevan once wrote about conscience. He says, conscience now no more condemns us. For his own most precious blood once for all has washed and cleansed us. Cleansed us in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, you become clean. A new person, you have no problem with your conscience. You don't have your conscience to prick you every now and then for a sin that is residing inside, when you hear about something and it hits you and it hits your heart and you start having flashes, hot flashes, not midlife hot flashes, flashes of sin there, you know, these are when you start getting them. Remember, this is the conscience that is alive and pricking you. And in order to get rid of all this, let the blood of Jesus Christ wash you again. Another exhortation we find in this chapter we read, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. It clearly says that nothing must be allowed to turn us from our bold confession that our only hope is in Christ alone. Period. You don't have doesn't you don't need to go to college for that. Those who are tempted in the Old Testament to give up the promised land their only inheritance for the memory of Egypt and According to them, the false security they thought they had, they ended up in the wilderness where? Dead. Right? But God is reminding us, and he reminded us this morning, that he who promised is faithful. Those who walk with me and walk close with me will enter the promised land. And guess what? They entered, didn't they? The new generation entered. But the old generation did not believe God and did not walk and went with their hearts back to Egypt. They perished in the wilderness. This is not us because we know better. We know better. Believers today in the Lord, let us hold fast of our hope and not give up the future blessings For a bypassing present. This present world. Is going to go away. Soon and very soon. This scene. Will fade away. It is written in 1st John chapter 2 verse 17. And the world. Is passing away. And also. It's lusts. But. The one who does the will of God. Abides forever. Yes, soon, the future is yours. The future is ours. The past is under the blood. The present, we have to live for him. And the future God promises ours. Why? Because sure, sure, as sure as you are looking at me and I looking at you, we are going to hear the trumpet sound. You know what, the older I grow, The more attached I get to Jesus Christ and His second coming, I don't want to go through the grave. I don't want to die. Who wants to die? If someone here says, Hey, I want to die, man, let me tell you, you'll be the first one in history. (laughs) We don't want to die. The Lord died for our sins. And He says, You take me as Savior. You're not going to die. But there's one reality that we have to look for, his second coming. We look forward, and I look forward soon and very soon. I will enter the promised land. I shall hear the trumpet. We shall all hear the trumpet sound. And I hope everyone who is here this morning, every person is washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we shall enter the promised land through rapture and we shall be with the Lord forever and ever. Aren't you looking for this? And our hope, Mr. Souza, is his second coming, and we shall, you and I, not relinquish this hope until we see him face to face. Now, it says here, the one who promised is faithful. We believe in a God who keeps his word. We believe in a God who does not lie. We lie. And if there's anyone who says, I never lied, wow. (laughs) Wow. He is the only, he is the only God, the almighty God, the sovereign God. We bow before him and give him all the glory when we hope to see him. And when we are awaiting his coming, he's going to come. Someone said, when hope is alive, keep that hope alive. When hope is alive, the night is less dark, the solitude less deep, and fear is less acute. And keep hoping in his coming. O.S. Marden, one of the great men of God, said, there is no medicine like hope. No incentive so great and no tonic so powerful as expectation of something better tomorrow. We are going to have a better year. This year is going to be better than last year. Last year was great, but this year is going to be better. Forget all the glory days of last year. Forget all the good days of last year. Forget all the bad days of last year, all your victories, all your defeats. They're good memories, good lessons, good things, but this was gone. Let's look forward. Perhaps this year, we will see him face to face. The last thing he Tells us, the writer, verse 24. Let us, We said, first, let us draw near to God with a clean, clear heart, conscience. Second, let's hold fast to the hope that we have. The second coming. Thirdly, he said, let us consider how st- to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Isn't that something? This church, I have heard many people when they visit for the first time, they tell me, you have love here. I said, thank God. Jesus loved us, and we tried to reciprocate this love. That's all we can do. We are a bunch of sinners saved by grace. I am the first one If Paul said, I am the first one, the chief of sinners, where do we stand? (laughs) Our first love is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Second love, to the brothers and sisters around us, and to all the others, believers and men and women in all churches. We love people, and we should love them. What the Holy Spirit is saying here, that we should stimulate each other to love. We should stimulate, in other words, stir up to love. How do we stir them up? By loving ourselves. This is what God is expecting from us. Oh, I can't stand her. Don't do that. Oh, he's a nuisance. Don't do that. He might be, but love him in Christ. We should show that love. It's difficult sometimes. (laughs) Difficult. This love, because its root is in the cross. You know why? When you look at the cross, yeah. When you look at the cross, who God showed his love there on the cross of God. The root of our love should be there. When you look at the cross, you know how much he loved us, that to die for us. And that is what ex- expected from you and me. What, how much should we love? How much should I love? As long as he's tolerable, I can stand Dean to a certain degree. <laughs> but when he starts his tantrum, I, I hate him. This is not acceptable by God. Should not be acceptable. We should love at all times. He loved his enemies while on the cross. He said, what did he say? Forgive them, Father. They don't know. He created an excuse even for them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. That's what we should live. In the new year, may God help us to love each other. Someone said, love is not an emotion, but an act of will. We will to love. In the same portion, it says good works. So many people, they go to do good works, you know, especially around Christmas time. They fill those bags with food that they don't need at, in their pantry. When they're, you know, it's expired, it says, oh, we can't eat it anymore, we should give it to the poor. This is not love. Love is when you give from your need. When you give your best, when you give the best thing you have. Jesus Christ did not give us the morsels and leftovers. He gave himself first. His own blood. If he gave his hand, it wouldn't have been sufficient for our for our sins. He had to give his blood to wash us for our sins. And what's in the blood? Life. He gave his life. And we should. This is why you should love your neighbor as yourself. And we should, and good works don't come before love. Love first, then good works, then good deeds. Then whatever you can give, you will give it from the heart. And let me say this. Someone said, love is the root. Good works are the fruit. Put that down. Love is the root. When you love, you can do things. If you want to give something, it's not because I can't, I can't use it, I better give it. No. No. I I, I am in need of it, but my brother needs it, I will give it to him. Can we do that? This This is what the Bible says here. This is what it's teaching us here. We should be examples to others because our master was an example before us. Now, how do we show it? If you take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and read it at home, you will know, What God means by love. But someone took, I think based on this chapter, he wrote the following. What love is. And I want to run it by you. Love is slow to suspect, quick to trust. Slow to condemn, quick to justify. Slow to offend, quick to defend. Slow to expose, quick to shield. Slow to reprimand, quick to forbear. Slow to belittle, quick to appreciate. Slow to demand, quick to give. Slow to provoke, and quick to help. Slow to resent, quick to forgive. That's love. Love without works. does not work. Love comes before works. Then good works come after love. May God help us. In conclusion, what do we have? Let us endeavor to have these attributes at the beginning of this new year. A call to godliness. Godliness is to walk closer with the Savior. Godliness is to hold on to our hope to love him more, to love others more, and to come to church on time. You like that? You know, there's a verse I didn't talk about because of time, but I read it. After all this, verse 25, not forsaking our own assembly together, Not forsaking to come to church. Not forgetting to come to church. Come to church. Verse 25. As the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see, the day is drawing near. What day is drawing near? The day of his coming. Let us do that. And let us be a church. And let us honor God this year by being people who obey him. And be a godly people, as these verses tell us. When you go home, read them again, applying to yourself. You'll have a good new year. year, And I wish you all a happy new year. God bless you. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, thank you for being with us from year to year. And as we begin this new year, we pray that every commitment, Every thing that we plan to do, every move we want to make, every promise, every every act that will be directed by your hand, by your spirit. So we live a life worthy of our calling and a life that brings glory to your name. May we be godly people, sincere people, people with clean heart and a clean conscience, and above all, showing others the love of Christ and living for that moment we sh- when we shall hear the trumpet sound, and then we shall be with you forever and ever. Until then. Help us to live this life as a new testament to all the people we come in contact with. Bless each and every one. We thank you for this congregation. We thank you for those visiting with us. We pray that your Holy Spirit will work in their lives so they will experience the peace that passes understanding and the true life with a clear conscience. And life is worthy of the calling you have for us. We thank you. May we ask you to dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. The meeting is over. I wish you all a happy new year. And let's come to church on time, all the time. God bless you all.